0: So as all of my uh, messages kind of go, I don't know where I'm going, so uh, make sure you guys strap in, keep your hands inside the vehicles at all times, but your voices are allowed to, you know, speak out, okay? So um, I'm just going to get into it. So um, I just want to tell you guys a story, and uh, it's, it's a story of, of how I was a cross-country runner when I was in high school. Does anybody in this, in this place run cross-country? Anybody? All right, I'm the only crazy one. That's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, for those of you that don't know, your school actually has a cross-country team, and basically what they do is they train um, every day after school. They run, like, three, anywhere from three to 12 miles every day to train for races that are a 5K, which is about, um, like, 3.26 miles, I believe. And so, um, I started when I was a freshman, and I actually had no previous experience (laughs) with exercise in my life. I in eighth grade and and younger, I was just this couch potato who wanted to play Xbox all day, and especially over the summer, like when you had the Wii, the Wii was probably the most exercise that I got, um, with like the bowling, and then like the the Wii Fit, like yoga board came out, and so you like did like the, the downward facing dog and everything, and they taught you how to do that, but that was the most exercise I had before I started running cross country, and the only reason that I started running was because my sister forced me to. I didn't even want to do it. The first day of practice, we ran three miles, and I stopped half a mile in, because I couldn't handle it, and I thought we were already, like, two miles, and I was like, oh, my God, we stopped, it was just literally at the corner of, like, the school, and I was already dead, and I was just like, okay, like, I I, I think I'm ready to turn back, and then this, this girl who I actually, like, knew, she was, like, my, one of my friend's older sister, decides that she's gonna, like, make me run the rest of the practice, and so she comes up alongside me, she's like, no, like, come on, we can do it, and then me being the, the awkward little freshman that I am, I just didn't know what, how to say no, and so I was like, okay, and so, and so we run, and we finished three miles and everything, but that was my first time running cross-country, and my first practice and everything, and I promise you, just stay with me here, okay? This is going somewhere, okay? We're going to figure it out together, okay? So um, that, was, that was my first practice in Crunch Country, and, um, and I was just, just a mess. I couldn't run at all. And then uh, gradually over time, I began to go to practice every single day. I, I sort of started to eat right. Like I, I, I ate healthier. I did the carbo load. I did the ice baths. And then I would also have like soda and hot Cheetos, like all my favorite things. Anybody like hot Cheetos in the building? <laughs> every hand should be up right now. I'm just saying. Um, but no, so um, I, I began to do this, like, cross-country thing, and I eventually, like, I fell in love with it because it gave me a sense of belonging. Like, I loved all my teammates. It was um, me and then a bunch of other people who um, loved, loved to play soccer, and I was the only white boy pretty much on the team. And so um, through that, I actually got pretty good at soccer, I'm not going to lie. Um, so if you want to square up and see me in a match of soccer, I'll, I'll handle it with you. Um, but, but cross-country really gave me this, like, sense of belonging and everything. And that's what kind of ca- got me to stay. And then eventually, over time, um, because, you know, exercise kind of sucks, and uh, I, I actually began to fall in love with, with running. And so um, we would train every single day for these races, every single day, guys. And we would have one race maybe, like, once, or t- or once every two weeks, I think, were our races. And, um, man... I can't tell you how awful I was the first couple of races I did, especially, like, freshman year. Um, I, I was, like, in, like, almost dead last. And then my team was just, like, at the finish line, they were cheering me, we like, yeah, go, Sean. And then I was just, like, running, and I was dead, and I was just shaking my head. I was like, no. I was like, please don't. It's embarrassing, right? Um, but over time, as as I began to really kind of develop myself into running, as I began to push myself into running, as I began to practice more, as I actually began to push myself into what we were training for, what we were gearing up for, my races started to improve, and um, eventually, so we, we have this place called Frogtown, has anybody heard of it, anybody, Frogtown, anybody, cool, okay, just me, all right, I love it, um, so Frogtown, um, I like to call it the race from hell because literally there is a hill that is at least, at least, at least 50 feet. And it's very steep. And um, if you've ever ran uphill, don't do it because it's awful and your legs will literally burn. Okay, if you want to know what hell feels like, just, just run up a hill. And, um, and this was like the biggest... This is, like, the biggest race. We did it at, at the end of every year. It's, it was subsection, so it was, like, the last race for everybody unless you qualified, and then you moved on to the next round. And my freshman year, I can tell you that I did not qualify by, like, a landslide. And by landslide, I mean I slide, I slid down the hill. Um, but come, come around to my, uh, what was it, my, I believe it was my senior year. Um, by, this, by this point, I had four years of training under my belt. And it came down to it. And it came down to the race. And um, I was able to take on that hill. I was able to charge out it. Just go fully after it. And, and I was able to k- keep my pace throughout the whole, the whole rest of the race. And, um, and at the end, I, I, I gave that last push. Because if you're a runner, you know you have to give the last push. And you have to just finish it out at the end. And I was able to qualify for sections by literally like a hair. There was like one person after me that, was, that qualified. And... You guys might be wondering, like, what the heck does this have to do with anything about Jesus? But I was just talking to God, and I really felt that this relates. Because as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we live our lives out, and we, we go after it and worship. We, we praise, we lift our hands, we sing songs, and, and we devote our lives to Jesus in the good times. But when the lights go out, what do we do? So for me, in running cross country, how that kind of looked like was is the good times was the training, the practice. I was going after it. I was pushing myself. I was doing everything in the best of my ability to better myself. But when the lights turned off was when I was racing, and nothing else mattered. All of the training that I did was preparing me for something. And I want you guys to know that all the stuff that you do is preparing you for something, too. All the worship, all the praise, all the, de- the devotions that you do for Jesus, everything that you live your life out for is preparing you for something different when the lights are out. And I, I can't tell you what that looks like in your own life, but for me, it's, it's been a, uh, so many things. I can't tell you how many times the lights have gone out in my own life. I can't tell you how many times I've lost hope. But, but my main question to you guys tonight is what are you doing when the lights go out? Are you, are you remembering all the training that you did? Are you remembering all of, all of the things that you did, all the practice that you got? Are you remembering the messages that you heard, the words that God's speaking to you? Are you remembering the times that God has moved in your life? You see, um, about three weeks ago, I was speaking here on a Sunday, and it was, like, this, like, high, high point of my week and pretty much kind of, like, my life, because I was like, I'm preaching on a Sunday. I never in my life would have thought that I would be a preacher in the first place, let alone preach on a Sunday to, like, 700 people. So I was was here preaching on that Sunday morning, and then uh, we went out to lunch. We were just hanging out and everything, and then um, I get, like, a phone call at like ten o'clock at night from my dad, and um, he proceeded to tell me that my grandpa had gone to the hospital and he he actually had gone to the hospital two weeks prior, so for the same thing, so I was like oh it 's okay and uh, my dad just he he begins to tell me and it 's hard for me to explain this because it 's just a very, very hard thing to kind of tell you guys my My father began to Tell me over the phone that my grandpa was going to the hospital and um, it looks like he wasn't going to make it. And so I, I hang up the phone and I'm like, okay, I need to go down there right now. I need to like, what, what do I do? My, my sister and my brother-in-law live about an hour away and they want to come to They're texting me. My phone's blowing up with just messages from like 100 different people. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, like what do I do? Do, do I need to pack a bag? What, what's going on? I don't, I don't know what's happening. And then, and then 10 minutes later, I get another phone call. My grandpa didn't make it. And this was this was on my high. This happened. I was I was so high up. I felt so good for and and, and I just I just I was God why? God, why? Today was going so well. Why? I was doing so many things for you. What, what am I doing wrong? Why is this happening? And to be honest with you, I still don't know why. And th- that's, that's I really felt the lights kind of just, just go out on me because I didn't understand. It, didn't, it wasn't familiar to, for that to happen at, right after something big happens that you do and you feel accomplished and you feel like you're successful. And it just came all crashing down. And I had the honor of actually um officiating his funeral and I, I really gotta be kinda like the pastor of my family, which was cool because my family definitely needed it. Um but in in the times when the lights went out, when when my grandpa died, I had, I didn't know what to do. I didn't. Even even me guys that's important to understand. This, this platform is not a representation of who we are. We are not this platform. I am not Jesus. Matt's not Jesus, even though he, we call him Jesus. <laughs> he's not Jesus. We're human. We don't know what to do sometimes. We don't have all the answers. But when the lights went out on me, I didn't lose faith in my God and what I know he's able to do. And there there have been so many times where when I was training for cross country, especially that, that first that first practice that I had that was so inconsistent with with my run and my training, and there were so many times where we we would go on a run. Our coach wouldn't be there, so we would skip out on a run. We would run to Taco Bell because it was only a mile away, and we would cash out on like 20 tacos and then like per person, and we would just eat and eat and eat, and then we would run back. There, There were so many times where we would just cut off practice, where we would play soccer, we would mess around. We'd run like maybe half a mile around the track, and then we would just do whatever we wanted to. There were so many times in my training that I was inconsistent, and that... That has a role to play during the race, but can I tell you guys that even, even in my inconsistencies, even in my faults, even in everything that I do wrong, even in my flaws, because we're not we're not perfect, we we know we're we're not a perfect people. Even in my consistency inconsistencies, my God is constant. My. My God has never changed. He never will change. He, was, he is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And check, check this out. I got, a, I got a passage I want to share with you guys. Sorry, I don't have any slides, but it is a little bit lengthy, so um, just deal with it. Um, this is Psalm 35. Everyone say, Psalm 35. And and the, mas- the, or the title for this message is, is called, This is Not a Test. And And just bear with me here, okay? It's kind of lengthy, so I'm going to read it. Um, Just try to follow along as as best you can. I'm going to point out some key things here. So in Psalms 35, it says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of my shield and buckler and rise up for my help. Draw your spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like their chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his own destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from the who is for from him who is strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up, they ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me for evil for good. My soul is barefoot. But I when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed, and my, and my head bowed on my chest. I, I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me, wretches whom I did not know tore, me, tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnashed me with their teeth. How long, O oh Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. Let those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let those, let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause, for they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land that devise words of deceit. They open their wide mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent, O Lord. Be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself from my vindication for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say we have swallowed them up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell, you, tell of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. And, and I know that was kind of long, but... That just, especially for, for my heart, that just kind of wrecked me the other day. I was, I was reading it and, and I, came apart the, the, I came across the part that says they repay me uh, good for evil. Or they repay me evil for good. Meaning they, they do dirty on you when you do good to them. And, uh, and I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. When I reach out to someone, I say, Hey, how are you doing? I want to make sure you're doing well. Or and I'm just I'm just extending a helping hand in their situation, say, I know you're going through this, I want to help you, I just wanna be there for you, I'm trying to encourage you. And they kind of just push me off to the side. They they spread rumors about me of all things. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. And through that whole passage, I just every line that that David was saying about the, p- the things that people were doing to him, everything that they were doing was the inconsistency that they had. And David had his own inconsistencies. But what I'm trying to get at is that people are going to be inconsistent with you. And you're going to be inconsistent with yourself sometimes. But just know that even in your inconsistency, your God is consistent. Your God knows what you're going through. Your God already has a plan for you. It may be dark and you can't see it, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. When you turn off a light, everything in the room does not disappear. If I'm holding on to someone, if I'm I'm holding on to Matt and we turn off the lights, Matt's still there. I can still, I can still, I know he's there. Even in the dark, I can't see him, but I know he's there. It's the same way with God. God. When when the lights go out, we usually think that God leaves us and that's why the lights are out. But can I tell you that's not the case? Is the lights get turned off by someone else in our life or something that we're doing, some situation, a person, a circumstance, the light goes out and we immediately let go of God. My question to you is, what are you doing in the dark? We're training and training and training, and we're practicing and we're going after it in the light when everything is good, right? But can I tell you, the hardest time to go after is when you're in the dark. I've been going through the dark ever since my grandpa died. One of the last things that he said to me was, come visit me. I didn't, and I haven't. The next time I saw him, he was in a casket. Actually, he was on the hospital table. Twelve o'clock at night. And I had to watch him. I couldn't have visited him. I couldn't say sorry that I couldn't visit you more. I shared a birthday with him, too. He was growing up, he was my birthday buddy. And I just didn't know what to do, I didn't have time to know what to do either. Immediately, plans were made, and I had to officiate the service. I had to speak at another engagement. I had to plan stuff. I didn't have time to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't have time to just stop in the darkness and, and think. I, had to, I kept going through with the, lights, with the lights off. And it's so much easier to do things when the lights are on. It's so much easier to, to go after with the lights on. It is. It is. Can I get a, does anybody know that it's easier to go to go after God when everything's going good? Yeah. But can I tell you that not everything is going to go good all the time? Even even if you preach on a Sunday, things can still go downhill. For every mountain, there's a valley. And I one thing I, I feel God has just been really challenging me with, and. I feel like he wants to challenge you guys too. Because I don't know what you guys are going through. Your lights may complete completely be on. And that's great. That's amazing. But what he's been challenging me with is, is what am I doing the when the lights are off? When I'm in the dark, when I'm surrounded by nothing, when I feel like I'm alone. What what am I doing? And I can I can see it now. It took me a while to process everything that had happened and, and to kind of walk through things and figure it out. But I can tell you that I, I, now, I now see exactly what I need to be doing in the dark. And that's, that's going after it the same way that I was going after it in the light. Because as Christians, I think we're often, we often kind of get mistaken for we're perfect and God's only there when things are going good. But God is also there when things are going bad. And I, and I think oftentimes I've, I've been convicted of this myself, is, is during worship, I, God really wants to move your heart. Do you guys know that? When we, when we sing these songs, they're not just empty words. We mean every single word that, that we sing. And one thing that I have felt victim to is, is I, I think that everyone who is, who is up here at the altar, who is going after it, who's on their knees, who is singing and worshiping and is at the front, I, I think that that's only for the people who already have God. And that's not, that's not wrong. That's good. They should be there. But I, I felt like that's the, that's the only place for people who knew God. I didn't feel welcome there. I didn't feel welcome to, to lay my life down. I didn't feel welcome to go to my knees, to cry if I needed to. Just because someone is going after it harder than you does not mean that you are not worthy, that you do not love God, and that you are not wanted by God. One of, one of the hardest things for me... To really learn is that when I slip up, when I fall, because it'll happen, it does, we're human, we've been over this, when I slip, when I fall, that that does not disqualify me for God's grace and God's mercy, that does not disqualify me from God's presence, every time I slip up and I fall, I box myself out from God, I take myself out of the equation and I say, God, it's just you, I don't, I can't. I hide my my face in shame, and I and I keep the lights off because that's what I feel like I deserve. And some of us do that too. We, anytime something happens to us, it doesn't even have to be by your own doing. It could be by somebody else. It can be a circumstance, a situation, a decision, and and every time it happens, we just kind of take ourselves outside of of God, and we just kind of shun ourselves and look away. because we feel unworthy, we feel dirty, we feel like we don't deserve it. But God wants you even when you're in the dark. God wants you in the light. But can I tell you, when it's dark and you feel alone, you will feel more comfortable with someone by your side. You'll feel safe, you'll feel protected Someone by your side. And that someone is Jesus. And so you know what? I'm done. I'm done feeling like I don't deserve it. I'm done. I'm done with with, with the situation b- being bigger than my God because I know that's not true. I know my God is way bigger than my situations. I know he's way bigger than my circumstance, than other people in my life. And so I'm going to go after it. And you may say, well, 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 I've been through this. Someone did this to me, so why, would, why wasn't God there? Why didn't he stop it? Jesus, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand the way he works. God can never love me. The things that I've been through, the things that I've done. Jesus does not want anything to do with me. I'm dirty. I'm ugly. I, no, I can't be loved. That's what I've been told my whole life. I've been fed these, these, these statements by people who my parents, they, they call themselves my mom and my dad, and they treat me like I'm a piece of dirt. My friends treat me like I'm nothing. But for every single statement that keeps you in the dark, every single word that has been spoken against you does not have control over you. Every single word that is spoken against you and that is not for you is not of God. We often associate people, especially if if it's someone who goes to church and is a Christian, church and then they come home and they act differently especially if it's a parent if it's an uncle it's a friend we mistake their actions for God and so we let that keep us boxed out and say I don't I, I can't I don't I don't want to do it I can't but tonight tonight everything changes God wants to do something in you he wants to do something in me. And, and I can tell you that I am sick and tired of being sick and tired with situations and circumstances. And, and now I, I, I'm not going to hold back. Because more times than not, during worship, I feel God's telling me that I need to, I need to lay it down. And, and for me, he tells me, I, I, need you, I need you to get on. I need you to go to your knees and just worship and just praise. He tells me that. But, but something always holds me back every time. It's, I, I don't want people thinking that, that I'm going through something dirty. I don't want, I don't, what, what are people going to think of me if I'm, if I'm on the ground and I'm worshiping and, and, and if it looks like I'm going through it. They're going to think that I'm struggling. They're going to think that, that I, I'm dirty, that I messed up. And then, and then people are going to lay hands on me and they're going to push me down to the ground. None of that matters. If you feel like you need to lay something down, don't let anybody else stop you from doing so. Don't let others hold you back from the grace that God has for you. Don't let others hold you back from God's presence. If you want to get in there, go after it. If you want the lights to turn on, you got to do something. Because if you just wait and don't do anything, nothing is going to change. In Isaiah uh, 40, 31, it says, wait upon the Lord and he will give you strength. And um, I was watching this YouTube video. This guy was preaching and and and. It's not the wait that we think it is. It's not that you just sit there and, and you just like wait. Like, like I'm waiting for someone to come outside. Or like you text, text someone and say, hey, I'm here. Like come outside. Like you don't go up to the doorbell anymore. Like nobody does that. It's not, it's not that kind of wait where you say, I'm here. And then you're just waiting for someone to get there. <laughs> That's not what it is. Because if that were the case, that would mean that God has left us. If we're waiting for God to show up, that means that he was never there in the first place. But the Bible says that God is always with you. God is always for you. He's never against you. He's always with you. The wait that it's talking about is is the word that we use for like a waiter. And what does a waiter do? A waiter serves. A waiter gets you refills. It fills up your cup if you need it. He, he brings you your food. He, he's, he always comes by the table and is like, how's your meal going? How are you doing? Do you guys need anything else? And I'm like, yes, I need some more campfire sauce. That's the way that it's talking about. Because if you, if you wait and you don't do anything, how can you expect anything to change? Just how? But when it says wait upon the Lord and he will strengthen you, it, it means... To me, to me that means I'm I'm here. I'm here. Do you guys know that your worship is service? Your worship is serving. And you this may be your first time to the warehouse, this may be your first time in church, and you have no idea what the heck we're talking about. But that's okay because we wanna we wanna help you and you and we wanna we wanna walk it with you. And if you don't know what any of this means, come find one of us and we'll talk to you after. And we'll explain to you the grace of Jesus and how he's moved in our lives and, and we want the same for you. The reason why we do everything here on the, on the on Wednesday night for the warehouse is because we want God to do something in your life. And so tonight, I feel like he wants to challenge us. What are we doing in the dark? Because this is not a test. And sometimes it, it feels like you know, like every, school is in session, yeah. Like everyone like hates school, right? And you study for a test, and then the test comes, and you forget everything. <laughs> well, God wants us to study and prepare and be ready, because when the test comes, He wants us to be ready. And following Jesus does not mean that you're not going to get any test. It's not like those pictures that say like 5,000 reteats and the finals canceled. That's not it. It's not how it works. <laughs> being honest. But when the test comes, are you going to be prepared? Are you going to remember everything that you have done to get you to that moment? Meaning, are you going to remember all the good things that God has done in your life? Are you going to remember that God is the God of miracles? And a lot of us have this mentality of God has done miracles in other people's lives, but he he can't do that in mine. I've done that myself. Especially with this. About the first call, I started praying I said, God pray that you would just protect my grandpa that you would be able to just just heal his body, make him whole. 10 minutes later he's gone. I felt like the miracle was never coming. but the miracle was that I I made it out and I'm still praising Jesus through, through the dark time. I pressed in and, and I turned the light on. I didn't just wait. The light to randomly appear back on, but I went after it. So let me do this. Let's let's have everybody stand up. And it's not going to be some some super like crazy call. Raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you one question. And in, in, in your in your heart, really really search your heart, and you probably know what I'm going to ask if you've been paying attention. Is what are you doing in the dark? Are you just waiting? And just kind of just waiting for God to show up. Or are you waiting? Are you serving? Are you getting in there? Are you doing everything you can to maintain your relationship with God instead of letting the lights turn out and you letting go? And so we're gonna we're gonna open up these altars for you guys as we always do. But I encourage you guys to go after it like never before. Let God speak to your heart. Let God move in you. Because God wants to do something in every single one of you tonight. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to go after it and worship it. If, if you need to leave, feel free to do so. But just know, it is here. Go after it. And if you can't, like you don't have time, go come back. Go after it next week. Go after it at home when you get home. It doesn't just, just start and stop here. But God wants to move not only here, but he wants to move in your home. He wants to move in your school. He wants to move in your everyday life. So why am I going to turn the light on when I'm here and turn it off when I walk out the building? It's just dumb. And I, and I have authority to say that because that's what I used to do. So let's do this. I'm going to pray. If you need to leave, go for it. But really challenge yourself. What am I doing in the dark?